another massive domino is falling. Bitcoin may have just officially entered the global political stage. The central bank of Iran is using Bitcoin to get around U.S. sanctions. This just got real. It's time for a Guy's Take episode. What's up? Welcome to Bitcoin Audible with Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. We're going to start off today with a public service announcement because the content of today, I think, is going to really reinforce the fact that we should be holding our own keys. And if you are not holding your own keys, you need to get a good wallet, whether that be a mobile wallet, a hardware wallet, a desktop wallet. You need to have a non-custodial wallet. Our sponsor for the show, which I'm sure none of you have ever heard before if you've listened to the show. I've never mentioned them before, but HexaWallet has a great mobile wallet. Non-custodial, create multiple accounts with varying degrees of security, including a multi-factor savings account a seedless backup and recovery system, a donations account so that you don't have to have a static address posted somewhere. You can actually have a website that constantly generates new addresses and my favorite, in-app batching. So if you are not yet holding your own keys, a great mobile wallet to get started with is Hexa Wallet. Check them out at hexawallet.io and a huge thank you to those guys for supporting Bitcoin Audible. Now, there has been some pretty major news. I have not fully confirmed this yet, and I heard some people talking that it was, um, uh, that it was potentially fake, but I've, it is actually posted on an Iranian news agency, the Iranian Students News Agency, um, but I cannot find a link to it, and translating the page was, uh, a little difficult, and I actually couldn't go to the website, apparently, I'm not sure if it's sanction-related or whatever, but while my uh, quote-unquote connection was in the U.S., I couldn't reach the server, um, so uh, I couldn't go to any .ir website, it appeared. Um, so, logged in from different country and got there and did a little bit of digging, but I cannot find an explicit source on this, aside from the fact that uh, an Iranian news agency is, in fact, reporting this. So, if you haven't heard the news, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, uh, a recently, and this is totally believable, this is actually in line with uh, previous announcements we've had and have been confirmed from Iran, uh, which is what makes this a very, very interesting uh, if it is, in fact, true. But Iran recently legalized mining, like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency mining. However, they legalized it because it was, it was illegal for a bit. It was, it was banned, and that only got lifted uh, not too far back, um, but with the new stipulation that they, they get a government license for mining. And a lot are using government-subsidized energy. Now, Iran obviously has a lot of oil and a lot of natural gas. They have lots of energy. Um, and uh, so this was actually a way to utilize that to boost industry in the country. But this recent piece of news is a whole nother level. 
So for those of you who don't really know the situation is Iran has been slammed with U.S. sanctions. And the U.S. Uh, really runs the entire, like the global financial system. And if they basically say Iran can't use dollars or cannot uh, communicate with these banks, Iran has very, very few options, if really any, uh, uh, sustainable options to engage in international trade. They're severely limited. If they can't use dollars, um, which the U.S. government and kind of the global powers that be, so to speak, have been increasingly using this as a political weapon to uh, essentially control countries. And I think this is going to backfire in a major way. Um, Iran has essentially made huge moves to adopt the Chinese yuan um, in place of the dollar everywhere that they can uh, so that they can get some degree of uh, international trade and pay for imports and stuff. But still, over the last two years, their imports have dropped 33%. So they've seen a staggering drop in the amount of resources that they can pull into the country, whereas their main exports are energy. But again, if they can't get access to dollars, they can't do much. The world runs on a dollar standard. So this new development, the Iranian cabinet has amended the legislation about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin mining licenses to redirect all crypto, all Bitcoin and any other cryptocurrencies directly to the central bank of Iran. It is essentially that they have to have a direct channel with the CBI, the central bank of Iran, and they have to sell directly to them at uh, Iran's supposed price, I assume, in their own currency, though I couldn't actually confirm that, but that's the only thing that seems to make any sense. But this is explicitly stated by a, the report that supposedly came from the CBI and the Ministry of Energy so that they can use Bitcoin to acquire imports so that they literally use Bitcoin in place of the U.S. dollar, which interestingly also requires someone to accept them. And I highly doubt they are doing this if they do not have someone who is already interested or that they are discussing with to make use of this. Potentially someone who is equally not happy with the U.S. sanctions and not being able to trade with Iran. And this is a way to redirect their energy. <laughs> you know, this is that analogy that Michael Saylor like, loves to dig into. But uh, as we talked about just recently on uh, Bitcoin, the, the last word for Bitcoin, Bitcoin's energy consumption with Nick Carter, and just the idea of Bitcoin as a tool for migrating energy, for moving energy from like a, a low access area to a high access area is or vice versa, actually, excuse me, high to low access, is they are able to store their oil and natural gas into Bitcoin because by, by actually supporting their mining industry, selling it to their central bank, their central bank will stockpile Bitcoin in an effort to buy imports from other countries and get around U.S. sanctions. Now, I want you to think about that really quick. This is a huge piece of news. And why I open this with, you need to hold your own keys, is that this is about to get really, really interesting. We are moving into a new level of the game theory of Bitcoin here. 
this is going to turn heads all over the world if this begins working for them. Now, there have already, already been some major moves for Bitcoin as a treasury reserve asset. And that's what the first dominoes, the dominoes are falling uh, episode or the previous guys take a couple of, uh, a couple of guys takes back um, was about, about the fact that we are now entering an environment where the, the corporate world is looking at Bitcoin as a, a permanent part of a treasury reserve strategy and a long-term growth asset. And they're doing so explicitly by comparing it to U.S. bonds, treasuries, and uh, holding cash. And they are seeing Bitcoin as a better bet and potentially safer. That is what MicroStrategy says. That's what Michael, Michael uh, uh, Saylor got into is that they see this as a, as a strictly more reliable and less risky bet than holding bonds and U.S. treasuries. And even gold, actually. And a really cool website if you want to... Uh, explore this a bit further um, is Rodolfo Novak from CoinKite, uh, create a coin card and open dime and all that great stuff, uh, has actually created a website called bitcointreasuries.org. And if you accidentally type in .com, it'll actually take you to the .org because I've done that like five times. But again, bitcointreasuries.org and it, they're trying to keep track of how much money is in all of these companies and, this, and the list is beginning to grow. And uh, there's been a handful of new announcements regarding this since our previous show about this. The dominoes are still falling over there. Uh, MicroStrategy obviously has a, a massive investment. And Michael Saylor actually announced, uh, said on a show very recently that he has a massive personal investment of like 17,000 Bitcoin just in his personal savings. Square just announced a large purchase of Bitcoin in their treasury. Uh, it was $50 million, though now just a little bit later, it's worth about $68 million. Stone Ridge, uh, Stone Ridge Holdings Group made a very uh, recent announcement uh, in October of a, uh, a holdings in Bitcoin that they have been building over some time and basically just made fully public about all the details of it. And there's a number of other big ones on this list, but this is going to be growing. This is going to continue to accelerate. And I think there are a lot of people and a lot of boardrooms, uh, as I said in the last uh, episode on this, this is only going to accelerate. But now we have entered a new phase. How many times have we been saying for years, Saifedean, Tur, Pierre, I mean, everybody in Bitcoin has tweeted something and there has been a a conversation and a growing inevitable realization that one day a central bank will start moving into Bitcoin and that will break the same Overton window problem for central banks all around the world as MicroStrategy has essentially done in an incredibly public way for the corporate world. But the central bank of Iran has made it an explicit part of the contract of the Bitcoin mining license within Iran that they have to sell it directly to the central bank of Iran. They are buying Bitcoin to use it as money to pay for imports to get around capital controls enacted by another country. Now this is simultaneously one of the most bullish pieces of news and also kind of a scary piece of news. 
So in one hand, this is, this is a proof of honey badger. They recognize that Bitcoin is going to cross the border and nobody can do anything about it. And as Bitcoin begins to appreciate, people are going to realize that the Central Bank of Iran is making bukus of money off of this. And whether they make it public, other central banks around the world are going to start paying very close attention to this, specifically smaller central banks, smaller countries, countries that have sanctions, countries that have very little privilege and access to the global financial system are going to look at Bitcoin because Bitcoin is going to give them an avenue. And everyone, every country or uh, institution that begins accepting Bitcoin for, uh, to get around these sanctions and to also potentially support any holdings or accepting of Bitcoin that they have, think about it in the sense that if a business or an institution or a government or a, another central bank, whatever, is accepting this from Iran, it makes sense for them to begin accepting it from other countries because it shores up their investment and their activity with Iran. It makes it stronger and it makes the uh, trade agreements more valuable over time. So there's a pretty powerful feedback loop in them going, well, why don't you guys use Bitcoin too? Because we're already doing that. And we happen to have a little on the side and we just got 20% on that this month because it's looking pretty nice. And what's funny is in the situation with Iran, the volatility doesn't matter. The volatility is no concern to them whatsoever because they have volatility. Volatility is not a problem, but something that they are stuck with one way or the other. So it's have volatility in their currency, which has fallen 34% since 2018, and have no access to uh, international markets, or have volatility potentially on the upside and have access to international markets. Not really a hard choice. They're making this decision out of desperation. And this is going to cause big moves in Bitcoin. This is going to cause a huge shift in how people see this thing, and it's going to happen in government and banking circles. People are going to be very serious about this move. If this starts working at all for Iran, which I bet it will work really well, better than they probably think it will, but if it does, policymakers, high government officials, people who think they control what Iran does are not going to take this lightly. And that leads to the kind of bad side of this coin. This immediately becomes an opposition. This becomes another excuse for, oh, Bitcoin is funding terrorists and evil countries and evil regimes and all this stuff. I actually kind of wished we had more corporate adoption and more treasury adoption of Bitcoin prior to getting to this point. I actually feel like this is a little shockingly early, in, uh, in my opinion that this is already happening with a country like Iran. I mean, it makes sense because the incentives are all there and it is absolutely a tool built exactly for this. Like I said, this is proof of Honey Badger. Uh, you know, what else are you going to use it for other than capital controls? That was my whole speech at Bitblock Boom was that this thing was unstoppable and this is what it's good for. But this is going to draw a lot of attention. Now again, this is bullish. This is overall a very, very bullish thing. Because it's proving the game theory. It's proving just how powerful Bitcoin has the potential to be on a global, macroeconomic, and political sphere. And that everybody who has dismissed this thing as some trivial internet points is truly sticking their heads in the sand and not paying attention. 
but it also very likely means this roller coaster is going to get crazy, both, both on the upside and in the new regulations, new announcements, new central bank decisions, new corporate entities getting involved, fresh, new, and loud FUD about how Bitcoin is evil, and new countries using this as an FU to the powers that be or the financial authorities that think they're going to tell some other political institution or jurisdiction what they can and cannot do. I mean, if you listen to yesterday's episode, we are getting into the fourth turning here, and this is going to accelerate things. This is going to make the power dynamics that have been relatively stable and unquestioned for a very, very long time begin to really thin out at the edges. Now, obviously, obviously straight out the gate, Iran can't do much of anything with this. They're going to be a tiny little portion of a percent of something where somebody accepts something for imports or some sort of trade. It's going to be very, this is, this is a pebble. This is a, you know, one snowball, but this will turn into an avalanche a whole lot quicker than I think a lot of people were probably realizing. Because any amount of a bull run that we really get into is going to both make them double down and then suddenly give them a capital asset that is appreciating strongly with a whole new pool of institutions, central banks, and countries now interested in getting their hands on some. And the fact there is a high-value global asset that is quote-unquote apolitical, that does not listen to the controls of the legacy system, that does not have any of the borders or the barriers, is going to be a massive player on the political sphere very quickly. Like, this was seen from the game theory at the very beginning. There were conversations about this in 2011 and 2012 when I first found Bitcoin. Like, this is an end, like, this is just, you gotta think about how freaking crazy it is that we went from a nothing group of nerds and libertarians playing with this thing that had a million dollars worth of liquidity, which is, which, you know, large corporations sneeze and that, that amount of money just disappears and nobody even bats an eye. And just by applying Austrian economic theory and... And the game theory to play this out and show just knowing just how powerful it could be if we ever got to that point that maybe it's even inevitable that it merely if it survives that we would one day be here. And just a couple of days ago, the Central Bank of Iran is buying Bitcoin, is directly buying Bitcoin, forcing miners within their country to sell it to them so that they can get around sanctions and controls pushed on them by the dominant economic and military superpower on the planet. This is a big old fat domino and it is falling. 2021 is going to be nuts. Like we're here. This is this is the first this is, this is it. We're rolling into this sphere. I don't see how this doesn't just get, this doesn't just grow. Like, like there's no way, if, if they do it once, it's meaningful. Just once. And there is no way that it doesn't increase from there. It's just hard for me to wrap my head around that uh, this was talked about so long ago when this was just nothing. 
this couldn't have been tinier and more insignificant, but that you can just look at the incentives. You can look at how that the you can look at how the Austrian theory would project out what this would happen in or how this would interact in an atmosphere of all of these other currencies and how it plays as an alternative, how the network effects play out, and how this eventually becomes a tool to break down political barriers and to see this eventually adopted by central banks. And now we might be there. We literally might be on the cusp of seeing this explode into that environment. Now, naturally, I think this is going to move slower. You know, these are not, neither of these pieces of news, neither of these dominoes are um, fast movers. You know, corporations and large business institutions are very cautious. Central banks and political systems are even slower. So this is not going to be a move. I don't think this is going to look like the retail um, uh, wave in 2017. And what's funny is somebody posted on Twitter the other day of Google search results uh, during this run-up showing that there's almost no uptick in people searching buy Bitcoin on Google. And all I could think is that like, well, yeah, if this is the environment we're getting into, I really don't think a bunch of central bankers and uh, corporate boardrooms are sitting down and like bringing up their laptops and be like, everybody search buy Bitcoin. What do you find? Like, I, <laughs> I don't think uh, that's I don't think that's happening. And there's not a mad rush of everybody being like, which one of you guys has cash app? That's interesting to to, to see like what potentially is the difference there um, and uh, whether or not retail is even paying attention to it right now, despite these major moves happening. Um, now, again, I will caveat this, that despite the fact that this is Iranian news agency that is reporting this, and uh, this has been repeated on trust nodes and uh, uh, Decrypt, and I think even Coindesk uh, has a piece about this, if I'm not mistaken, this still could potentially not be true. I don't have, like, like I haven't actually seen the CBI report and or the Ministry of Energy report that uh, says this specifically. So I guess I cannot really confirm. And we certainly live in the age of clickbait BS where just, you know, complete made up crap spreads very, very quickly. But so far, this seems to check out. It does go back to an official Iranian news news agency and... It also seems to be in line with other other developments that we have seen from Iran. Like this is this is a this would be a change of the license that they have already, uh, after um, legalizing and making official the Bitcoin mining industry in Iran with an explicit license. This would be an update to the license that they simply can't sell it on the open market. They have to sell it to the central bank of Iran. So this isn't even a very big stretch. And this is something that Iran has been working toward for a couple of years now um, and seems, you know, potentially right in line and makes very, very much sense from their position. So this is not very hard to believe. And like I've said throughout this episode, it, it you know, it feels like it was inevitable that we get here at some point. But this, in my opinion, is another major domino 
and something to keep a very, very close eye on. So just an epic story, and uh, I wanted to uh, get out that bit of news uh, for you guys if you hadn't heard it, and dig a little deeper into what this means. Now, why I think this is a really important time to hold your own keys is because of a bunch of different reasons. One, I think fees are going to go up. Uh, if the more activity and the more attention that Bitcoin gets, the the bigger the congestion is going to get likely on the network. You don't want to get stuck somewhere when congestion is awful and be forced to pay some really high fee when you necessarily didn't need to do so. So the earlier you can do it, uh, when other people aren't super worried or it's not a high-stress environment, that is the best time to move Bitcoin to your own keys. Build your ARC before the flood. Now, the second reason is regulation. We've got this travel rule uh, hitting. We've got now potentially being used to get around sanctions. I expect a lot of new FUD because of this. So your ability to withdraw and hold your own keys might be uh, inaccessible or might at least get much harder and come with a whole lot more strings attached in the not too distant future. We don't know when, we don't know exactly how, maybe not at all, um, particularly with the corporate environment there to basically act like a wall because they are not going to be happy if things get really, really difficult for them to uh, take care of their own capital or get taxed out the, out the ass. And that's why, again, I think um, it's, I wish we had had more corporate adoption before central banks and smaller countries started looking at this. But again, this was all, I feel like this was all inevitable. So, you know, like, what are we going to do? Honey badger don't care. Nothing we can do about it. Bitcoin is going to be used for what Bitcoin can be used for. So before and in case that sort of thing becomes a problem, hold your own keys. Now, for really deep savings, like if you've got a good amount of capital, I still really, really suggest you get some sort of a hardware wallet. It is definitely the standard for cold storage in this space. But if you want to get started and you haven't even dipped your toes in the water, a great mobile wallet is our sponsor, HexaWallet. And the fact that you can use your other devices and contacts, like people in your contact list, as a part of your backup process so it's seedless and you can always restore if something happens to your device i think that's a really cool and clever setup that protects a typically volatile place to put bitcoin on a smartphone that you carry around with you um, uh, that makes that a whole lot safer so that is definitely something to consider if you want to check out HexaWallet, you go to hexawallet.io, or if you have any questions, or if uh, you want to you know, start playing around with Lightning, or you have any other wallets that you want to ask me about, I am totally open for DMs. Just hit me up on Twitter at The Crypto Economy. More than happy to help with any of it. Things are going to get really crazy, guys. And it's, I, I genuinely think the, even just the end of this year is going to be uh uh, rather intense, uh, but 2021 is going to be crazy. If any of this is a, a foreshadowing of things to come, for those of you who haven't been in a bull market, it can feel really scary. So be proactive. Get moving now so that we can ride this roller coaster knowing that we are fully strapped in and learn everything you can about it 
Uh, Bitcoin Audible is obviously the best place to do that, but there's a million other resources out there. And uh, of course, to the people you know who are trying to get into Bitcoin, now is a great time to direct them. Send them to me, Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. And hopefully we can help as many people down the rabbit hole as possible before this hurricane comes into full effect. Thank you so much for listening to this Guy's Take episode. Hope you have a wonderful Halloween and a wonderful weekend. And until next time, guys, take it easy. This has been a 111 production, and you are listening to Bitcoin Audible on the Crypto Economy Network.